The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 10, 30, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. Welcome to West Pines. I am Michael. I am one of the pastors here. So good to see all of you. So good. If you're joining us online, thank you for joining us. Um, Hope everybody had a good Christmas. Everybody have a good Christmas? Good, good. All right. Yeah, we had a good Christmas in my house. Um, my wife, Marilyn, and I, we've got four kids. Uh, we've got our, our boy who's 13, and then we've got three girls, 11, 10, and 4. And this is uh, Marilyn and my 15th Christmas together. We've been married 15 years. And over the years, I've tried to find the perfect Christmas gift. And it's been hard. But this year, I finally found it. After all this time, I finally figured it out. I figured out what the perfect gift for a mom with young kids is, and that is the gift of sleep. That's right. I said, you know what? You sleep as long as you want. I've got the kids. I'll deal with them until you're ready, and then we will open our presents. And the way that worked was my older three were pretty easy to deal with. My four-year-old, not so much. She was up at 5.30, and every 15 minutes it was, when are we opening our presents? Can we wake up mama? And I had to hold her off for quite a while. But what's been interesting about my four-year-old, her name's Lily, she is at the stage now where she is starting to push some boundaries. And it's been interesting. One of the boundaries that she started to push on is whenever I tell her something that she's not a big fan of, she says, Daddy, you're grounded. (laughs) And the point at which I'm out of my life, I thought I was past being grounded. So this, is, this came as a bit of a surprise to me. And so, of course, I have to explain to her that she is not the one that grounds me. In fact, I am the one who can ground her. And so there's a little bit of correction that has to go on there. And, you know, the reality is that it can be kind of funny when a four-year-old gets a, has a misguided sense of authority, when she thinks that she has authority when she doesn't. But that actually can happen to us as adults. As adults, we can start to think that we have authority where we don't. Or we can start to think that we are the authority on something that we're not. And so, what we're going to look at today is some scripture that shows when that happens in our lives, it actually can be really dangerous and destructive. We're going to look at a couple of passages, we're going to look at a couple of scenes from Jesus' ministry Two separate scenes that are both very, very related. And what he's going to do is he's going to expose some people who think they have authority when they don't. And then he's going to show how destructive it is when that happens. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. And we're going to go into chapter 3. But we're going to start in Mark chapter 2 and we're going to start at verse 23. So let me dive in and we're going to stop along the way and set set the scene. So one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? All right, let's stop there and just, and set, like I said, set the stage. So we've got Jesus, he's walking from place to place with his disciples, and they are walking by grain fields and plucking heads of grain and eating it. 
And the Pharisees stop them and say, hey, they can't do that. You're doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Now, to understand what's going on here, we have to understand the Pharisees. The Pharisees are a group of men at the time who, in Israel, they were these religious figures, but they were more than just that. They prided themselves on knowing the law. They were experts in the law. And when we say the law, we're talking about the Old Testament law, but certainly it made them sort of like lawyers. And so they were this combination of religious figure and lawyer. And what's important to know about the Pharisees and their engagement with the law was that they prided themselves on knowing the law, but they prided themselves on following the law. You see, what they had done is they had actually started to shift the way that Israel was worshiping. Israel had worshiped for thousands of years at the temple. They actually would make, the, the temple was the central place for worship, and one of the key aspects of temple worship was that people could go there and they could be forgiven of their sins. They could say, I am sinful and I need forgiveness, and what they would do is they would bring an animal. They would bring a lamb, typically, and it would be an what they call an unblemished lamb, meaning it was perfectly white. And the reason why it had to be perfectly white was that it symbolized innocence. So the person would go and say, I am sinful, I need forgiveness. They would bring this lamb, bring it to the temple. The priest would sacrifice the lamb, and that symbolized the lamb's innocence being transferred to the person, and the person's guilt, the person's sin being transferred to the lamb. The person would leave the temple innocent, not guilty. The problem, of course, is that the person would invariably go and sin again. And so they had to go back and do another sacrifice. And it was this cycle of sin and sacrifice, sin and sacrifice. And the Pharisees said, hang on. Maybe we don't have to do all the sacrifice business if we just follow the law perfectly. Like maybe we can just say, hey, we don't need to sacrifice because we're not guilty. And so what they did was they set out to perfectly follow the law. And what they did was they actually started adding laws to the Old Testament law. They started writing their own laws and interpreting it in their own ways. They said, we've got the authority to do this. Let's just keep writing laws on top of laws and we follow all this and then we don't need to go sacrifice because we are good. We follow this and therefore we are approved. And so not only did they pride themselves on knowing the law, they prided themselves on following the law, and then that resulted in them coming around and holding everybody else to the rules that they had set up, and that's what we see here. We see the Pharisees following Jesus and saying, hey, hey, they, they can't do that on the Sabbath. Now note, what they're, they're not saying that the, that the disciples are breaking the law because they're simply plucking the heads of grain. Like, they're not accusing them of stealing, because it may seem like that. They're actually walking through grain fields that aren't theirs, and they're just plucking them and eating them. And that actually was okay. That was fine, because there was actually another Old Testament law that said farmers were not permitted to farm all the way out to the edges of their fields. They were required to leave the edges so that if there were any poor among them, or if there were travelers traveling through, that, and, and that they were hungry and in need, those people were permitted 
to go and pluck the heads of grain and eat it. So actually what the disciples were doing was totally permitted. They were, they were making use of this charity. So that wasn't the issue. The issue the Pharisees had was that they were doing it on the Sabbath. Now the Sabbath was a day of rest. And one of the rules on the Sabbath from the Old Testament was that work was forbidden. Nobody could do work. You see, what the Pharisees were coming to Jesus and saying is saying, hey, you guys are working on the Sabbath. But what they were really doing was citing some of the laws that they had created on top of it. And so what we've got here is the Pharisees saying, Jesus, you and your disciples are breaking the law. Now, Jesus has a choice here because he and his disciples are innocent. They're not breaking the Old Testament law. So he could simply offer a defense and explain that. But he doesn't do that. Let's see what he does do. See how he responds. Verse 25, and he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat and also gave it to those who were with him? So Jesus responds with a question. And what he does is he, he cites a story from the Old Testament involving David. Now, David was king of Israel a thousand years before Jesus walked the earth. He was the king of Israel at the height of Israel's power. And what Jesus is referring to, though, is a story that took place before David took the throne. See, at the time of this story, a guy named Saul was on the throne, and he was actually trying to kill David. And David went on the run across the countryside. Saul and his army was chasing David and his small army. And what happened was David ended up at a temple, on the run, starving, exhausted. And he goes to the priest and he says, me and my men are starving. We need food. And the priest says, I'm sorry, I have no food that is fit for you to eat. I only have this special bread that only priests are allowed to eat. Now, in that story, the priest, the, the, the temple priest actually ends up having mercy on David and his men and does give him the bread. So the question is, why is Jesus presenting this story to the Pharisees? He is not presenting it because he's saying, hey, David did what was unlawful, so therefore it's okay for us to do this. See, he's not making an analogy because... What Jesus and the disciples were doing was not unlawful. It was lawful. You see, what Jesus is doing here is he is presenting one of the most notoriously hard situations in all of Scripture to, to, to sort of parse through and understand. Theologians today still struggle with exactly what is going on there, why it was okay for David to eat that bread. And so Jesus isn't saying here's why we're innocent, he's actually challenging them as judges. He's actually saying, okay, you, you're coming here and trying to judge us on what we're doing. I got a question. How would you judge this one? And he hands them one of the hardest cases to judge that people are still debating, and they don't have an answer. But then he goes on. Look at what he says in verse 27. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. 
So first he says, listen, the law that you're talking about, you're, you're citing Sabbath law, but the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You don't understand
Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.